Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in the Madison area. I am here with my co-host, Coach Manchi from the Fox Valley Throws, Kimberly Papermakers. Coach, what's going on, brother? Super excited. We got our first baseball guy on today, and he's right from the Appleton area. So looking forward to this podcast. What am I? Like, I, I mean, I played baseball. Like, like so I don't count? What, what's the deal here? In the Holy Fox God. Valley. Holy the Fox Valley. Down there in the Madison, man. Fox Valley. Or I played in the I played in the Fox Valley for college. Like, come on, man. I got a ring. You know, we got banners in the gym. Good lord. So, all right. Well, we better get to our guests now. So um no, our guest is is Matt Erickson. He's a manager of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, um, high affiliate of the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers. Very excited, obviously. Uh, for the Brewers to be in the playoffs, Wisconsin sports at all levels, really, really taken off and very excited to have Matt on. Uh, he's an Appleton West graduate. Um, so he is from the Fox Valley. Um, so he's going to take some time today and, and, and chat with us about some different things. So Matt, are you over there, brother? I am here. You know, Brian, one of the great things about baseball is that Everybody that's played catch out in the front yard thinks they're a baseball player. So you're a baseball player. <laughs> wow. Holy <laughs> smokes. Okay, then. So I get I, once again here, I'm, I'm overmatched by this Fox Valley tandem. Uh, so, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And um, I'm going to go pull the darts out of my back here. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Matt Erickson, I uh, born and raised in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, currently the manager of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. Um, I, and I, and I live, I may, I reside here in Appleton still. I've been married for 19 years. Uh, we have three kids, two dogs and a cat, and we just put up the fence last year. So, uh, almost complete there. But, um, I went to Appleton West high school, was a three sport athlete there, played uh, football, basketball, and baseball. Um, once I left high school, uh, great, great high school experience was, was able to play for some tremendous coaches there and, and uh, really played on some nice teams. We were able to win two state championships, one in football, one in baseball. Uh, we won't talk about the three other ones we lost. So yeah, played in five state championship games while I was in high school, which uh, was pretty amazing. Um, and then after high school, went to the University of Arkansas, was able to continue to play baseball there and get an education. Um, I, I went there for three years, uh, was drafted by the Florida Marlins in the seventh round, um, in 1997. So that's a while ago, played 11 seasons of minor league baseball, played at every level. Uh, got a sniff, uh, in the big leagues with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2004. Um, and then along the way there, I, I had an opportunity to play with team USA as well in the world cup in 2001 and won a silver medal. Uh, those, those dang Cubans beat us in the championship game. Uh, but yeah, after, after that, after my playing career, I, uh, timing is everything they say. I, I had an opportunity to, to stay in town, uh, stay in the game, uh, stay in the professional game and, and became the hitting coach in low A ball for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, uh, who is at that time, the low A affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, and two years after that, I uh, became the manager and I've been managing the Timber Rattlers for the last 11 seasons. And that's where we sit today. Hey, Matt, Brian and I are big into uh, multi-sport athletes, especially at the high school level. 
we've had a lot of our guests talk about their experiences and the benefits that they learned from being a multi-sport athlete in high school. How did that experience help you as an athlete and then now as a manager for the Timber Rattlers? Yeah, I, in my opinion, there's, there's no substitute for competition. Uh, I love, I love playing all games and, and anytime you get a chance to compete, uh, I think you, you learn more about yourself and, and your opponents. Um, so, you know, playing multiple sports, there's a, there's a number of advantages. You learn game situations, uh, you learn time management, uh, you learn coaching philosophies, you get a lot of different uh, voices and coaches uh, and a lot of different cultures uh, within those teams. Um, and just uh, becoming an overall better athlete, I think, uh, over the course of my teenage years. Uh, I know we've, uh, we've advanced quite a bit in the strength and conditioning world, uh, and we, we have a lot of very intelligent people that have or can design programs for functional strength specific to a sport. Um, and that's great, but, uh, rarely is that, you know, thrown into a competitive environment where, where you're dealing with other people and other situations and other environments. Um, so I, th I think those are the biggest advantages uh, of playing multiple sports for sure. Uh, I think also the part of it is, uh, you might be, you might be the stud on one team, right. And you might be playing a lesser role, uh, and not a less important role, because I think, Every role within a team, especially teams that have success and teams that win championships, every member of that team is important. Um, but there's no doubt that there's some roles that get more attention than others. And you, you kind of learn, learn that and you learn to appreciate uh, your teammates as well. Matt, I, you know, even though I, I did play catch in the front yard and I actually got to go <laughs> play a few competitive games my own self, um, uh, playing at Oshkosh, one of the cool things uh, for me was when we did our summer camps, and um, one of the one of the coaches that was a consistent with the summer camps, as he was good friends with Coach Lechner, was your father, um, and he coached you, um, you know, in high school and things like that. He's a, I mean, he's a legend in Wisconsin high school baseball, uh, great man, things like that. But you know, we, we see this in youth sports a lot, and we also see it, you know, at, at different levels, you know, being coached by your father or, or your mother, you know, for, for, you know, all intents and purposes can be challenging, right, for both. You know, I know coaching my kids, and I'm sure you, you may coach your kids a little bit, um, can, can pose some challenges, but can also have a lot of positives. So from your experience, you know, working, you know, underneath a guy who, who was your father, but also as a, a legendary coach in our state and, and whatnot, what were some of the positives that went with it? And what's, what were some of the challenges you guys faced, you know, as a family? Yeah, you, I mean, he, he was tremendous. He was, he was great at what he did. He's a great teacher, uh, taught in the Alton area school district for, for 30 years. Um, but like his, his true love, his classroom was out on the baseball field. He, he loved being a part of that and teaching out there. And, and for a, a long time in this community, you could hear his voice everywhere. Like he would hold coaching seminars and you could hear head down, butt down, glove down, three down position. Like every little league field that you went through in the city of Appleton, you would hear that being screamed out by the coaches, which is uh, a credit to him and the trust that, that the, the people around here gave him uh, at that time. And he earned it, but he was just, his communication was outstanding. He was extremely organized. He held people accountable. Um, 
he was very efficient. Like one of his really things that he could do, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the spring baseball around here is the practices are held in gyms because the weather is so bad um, in the beginning of the spring. And uh, he was just awesome at using space. Uh, and I know we'd use the, the gym, the basketball court. Uh, we'd do some ground ball and fly ball work in there. But we'd also, we'd run up in the halls. We'd use the halls of the, of the school and we'd do like base running things in the halls. We'd work on, work on leads and breaks. And then our weight room slash uh, wrestling room had a cage in it. Uh, and we, it was amazing. We had two cages up there, I mean, wall to wall. And we had about 10 different stations going on. Uh, and just really, uh, really uh, taking a, a lot of pride in the detail of the game. Um, so he was really good with the organization of that. I think uh, the other thing that he was good at um, from a father-son standpoint, um, when we were at when we were at practice, I mean, he was coach and, and he demanded a lot, uh, probably demanded a little more uh, out of his son, I'm sure. Uh, I got it pretty good first couple of years, especially. Uh, as far as uh, the work ethic and, and, and what it takes to, to be a, a consistent player. Um, but as soon as we got in the car after the practice, he was dad again. Um, in practice, whether it was good or bad, it really didn't linger um, and, unless I brought it up, unless I was asking questions about certain things. Um, but when we got in the car, we got home. I mean, it, it was other topics. It was schoolwork and family and different things. So, uh, I thought he did a really good job at separating dad and coach. You know, you've probably seen, you know, a lot of father-son coaches, you know, players, stuff like that. I think one of the major misconceptions that most people who aren't in that situation or that, that have kids that play with a father-son is most of the time dads don't favor their kids. They're actually harder on their kids. And that's actually can be detrimental as well, right? Where it's like, you know, that, and I know for me coaching, you know, my kids, it was one of the things I really had to work on because it starts to sever your relationship, you know, because your, your kid knows that you're wearing, you know, wearing them out of practice when other kids are, you know, maybe making the same mistake and you're harder on them. So, you know, it can, it can go both ways, right? You see, you know, parents are going to favor their kids and that's why they coach, but also you have competitive, you know, dads that have played the game that understand the game, but they are overly aggressive with their kids, right? Yeah, I think that is the case. Uh, and again, I think my dad from my freshman year to my senior year got a lot better at separating the two and, and, and being a little more positive or a little bit more fair, I guess, if, if you will. Um, but my freshman year, I know uh, from fact, uh, some of the seniors went in after the first couple of weeks of practice um, and had a conversation with my dad about um, – Lighten up on the on the guy. Lighten up on your kid a little bit. Um, he he deserves to be here, um, and and so that was that was important to me because as a as an underclassman with with some established uh, seniors and yeah. a really good program at the time, I I felt like I earned the respect of my teammates, and that was a big deal for for me and then uh, and for my dad. And I think things got easier after that conversation, but credit to to my teammates for going in there and, and helping me out a little bit hey Matt, i've been uh, lucky enough to be a coach uh, under many state championships at kimberly so i've been very here we go that way. 
Here we go. And uh, my football, obviously, <laughs> experience is going to. The Lord of the Rings over there. Right here. But uh, your junior year in high school, you replaced a senior on your team that never lost a game that year. And you ended up winning the 1992 state football championship. And I was remember reading an article and that was Paul Engen was the coach. Engen was in the article and the other quarterback, I believe was a Weinberg. Was it? Yep. Yep. Mark uh, Weinberg. Yeah. Tell me about how you and your team handled that situation. Cause according to coach Engen, it was uh, class and, and all parties involved. Yeah. Well, I want to, you know, congratulate Darboy University and the culture that you've created over there. That's a <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good, man. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. That's good stuff, man. It's fun. To, it's fun to watch. Um, not, unless you're unless you're a parent of an Appleton East football player, that oh. wasn't so much the fun fun to watch a couple weeks ago. Uh, but no, great. Obviously, a great program and and great leadership and and everything involved. Uh, there so I mean and it it brings national attention to our our community so it seems like everything's being done right there um, going back a few years um, back uh, I guess when I was at Appleton West that year I think we beat Kimberly actually 77 to 7 on a on homecoming night so times have changed obviously since then um, but Mark Weinberg uh, was a senior quarterback I was a junior uh, he was also the uh, son of our offensive coordinator, um, Coach Weinberg. And I give Mark Weinberg a tremendous amount of credit. He was, uh, he probably wasn't the most athletic uh, person or, or uh, player on our team, um, but he lived, breathed, and died football. And that was his sport. Um, and he was awesome at the details of the game. Um, something that I took from him or he taught me quite a bit uh, that junior year was like the footwork and the ball handling. Uh, we were a team, Rapids and West was a team, was a power eye team. Uh, we had a big offensive line. We had some good running backs. Um, they've had a lot of success. They won some conference titles, but they, they struggled to get to the championship game, the level two, level three game. Um, they were getting beat as I was growing up. Um, but until I think we were able to, to, to spread the, the field out a little bit um, from an offensive standpoint, um, I think we were more physical and we overpowered people throughout the, our conference schedule. And we started playing tougher teams in the, uh, in the playoffs. Um, people know what you do well and they try to take it away. And so they would put a lot of people down in the box um, and, and it became uh, a situation, I think, where if we could spread it out a little bit um, and, and provide a little bit more mobility to the quarterback position um, and a possibility for some big plays at times, I think is what separated myself from Mark at the time. Um, but during that season, throughout the season, uh, like you mentioned, the program was having tremendous success. We were splitting time at quarterback. I was also playing some defense. Uh, I loved playing defense. I was playing safety at the time too. So I had no issues. I was all over the place running around being involved. Um, but they made the decision at the end of the season um, that I was going to play quarterback uh, in the playoffs. And, and obviously uh, from a competitor standpoint, Mark, you know, was not happy about it and nor should he be, but uh, he was a great teammate. 
and he did everything he could to help the team through that playoff run. That's awesome. Um, so Matt, after, after you're done with high school, uh, you got recruited to play baseball at the university of Arkansas, um, which obviously, you know, like you said, a lot of baseball in Wisconsin in, in February and March is done in the gym. Um, where most of the time in Arkansas, it's pretty warm in the, in the spring. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about that transition in, in Arkansas, as we talked off air, has kind of got a, a little uh, affiliation with, with Wisconsin. And, you know, some other kids from the area have had the opportunity to go down there. I know I worked with Ben Rortvet, um from Verona, who was actually committed to go there, but was drafted by the Twins and actually um, just went right into the minor leagues. But kind of talk about your experience at Arkansas, um, because the speed is a little different there than it is in Wisconsin as well, as far as the speed of the game, um, like we talked about off air as well. For sure. Uh, yeah, up here in the Valley, some of us aren't good enough to, to play, go right to professional baseball. So we got to go to college up here in the Fox Valley. But uh, no, uh, Norm DeBryan uh, was, uh, was the head coach at the University of Arkansas. Um, he was originally from Wisconsin. He was born and raised in Ashland, went to school at the University of Wisconsin. Uh oh, excuse me. We got a dog. We got a dog. We got a dog. Two dogs and a cat. <laughs> he went to school at the University of Oshkosh, um, played baseball and, and football there. Uh, I think had a teaching uh, position at Hortonville High School for a little while uh, before he got his first college job in Colorado, and then eventually came to the University of Arkansas. Um, but during that time, he's always recruited the state of Wisconsin a little bit and, and always seemed to have at least one guy on the roster from Wisconsin. And so when, it, it, when I was going through high school, uh, Coach Lechner at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh was, uh, had a relationship with my father, and I got to meet him and go to his camps. Um, and he was a guy that... Uh, was influential on talking to the people at Arkansas and letting coach DeBryan know that uh, there was a player up here that had interest um, of playing high level baseball in the, in the Southeastern conference. Um, and, and coach Lechner believed that it was something that I was, was able to do. And, and I took a recruiting trip down there. Actually, uh, I remember playing Friday night football against Appleton East. Um, it was about 30 degrees and raining and, and miserable on a Friday night. Uh, and then Saturday morning, I got on a plane with my dad and we landed in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and it was 75 degrees and sunny. Uh, we went over to their, their facility, beautiful baseball facility. Uh, and they were having a scout day uh, in the middle of the fall. There was probably 30 scouts in the stands. Uh, and, and after that, they had a huge spread cookout uh, after that. And I looked at my dad I'm like, this is amazing. This is, this is where I want to come and play baseball. Uh, go to school. Um, and so that, that decision kind of happened that way. After that recruiting trip, I just felt really comfortable there. Um, but at the same time, when you're leaving high school and at that time, I really didn't venture out too too far from the Midwest. I didn't play on a travel ball situation where kids have opportunities to go all over the country. Now uh, I basically was in Wisconsin, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, um, and that was the first time that I really left the Midwest. Uh, so there was some anxiety there. And, and even though I had some success in high school, uh, you never really know how you stack up until you, until you get there. Um, and then when I got thrown into a dorm with, with players from all over the country and, and 
the same kind of uh, goals and ambitions. Um, there was a comfort level there. And then when we got out on the field, I immediately recognized the kind of talent that I was put around. And I was not the most talented player on the field for sure. Uh, but as we got into it, uh, I think some of the intangible things that I acquired growing up, um, being around the game and paying attention to the details and the overall consistency of my game, um, maybe not having the most power with the bat to be able, be able to, to get on base and be able to take care of the baseball, be able to maybe steal a base, impact the game uh, in different areas. And that advert or that versatility helped me uh, uh, get in the lineup in the first game as a freshman and played every single game that I was there. Uh, so it was, it was a tremendous experience for me uh, and a great decision in my life. Matt, when you were done playing for the Brewers and you decided to get into the manager role, you know, you were fairly young. What was that adjustment like going being from a player to a manager now? Um, and what was that experience when you started out? Well, I think the biggest challenge is when you are going through that transition is you still think you can play. Right. <laughs> and, uh, especially your first couple of years when I was the hitting coach, um, you just, you had to fight your, your want to, to grab a bat and to, to hit and to be involved. Um, fortunately for me, I think uh, I did, I played 11, 12 seasons of professional baseball and I was, I was pretty much done. Like physically, I, I wasn't getting to balls that I used to get to. And, and uh, I, I feel like I reached um, my potential uh, and stay in the game. So I, I, it was a little easier. It's, it wasn't easy for sure, but it was a little easier to, to transition from more of a, you have more of a selfish type mindset as you're trying to just do whatever you can to get to the next level and get to the big leagues as a player. Uh, and now as a coach, um, it's more of a selfless mindset. You know, you're more relational. You're trying to help everybody on the team, trying to get reach their goals and, and get to the big leagues uh, or, or basically reach their potential. Um, but yeah, not, not an easy thing to do. I know, I remember as a, as a young coach, my first couple of years, you're, you're there to help people. And I would get irritated really quickly um, that kids that were uncoachable uh, or guys that, uh, you, you felt like they were listening, but it was going in one ear and out the other. Um, but you quickly find out, you know, as you as you gain experience with everything else, you get a little bit better at it. You start to understand a little bit better. Um, but if you think about it, these kids are being drafted for a reason. They had tremendous success somewhere. They have they have a lot of ability and some talent. Um, and you don't want to immediately go in and, and try to make adjustments, even if you know down the road they're going to need to make those adjustments. Uh, I think as I became a little bit more mature as the coach, uh, I, I would offer suggestions. Um, and lucky for us in the game of baseball, we have some time uh, in a long season, 140 games. But the game will tell you when it's time for the kids to be coached. Uh, and the players, they need to reach failure um, or, or have some kind of failure. And when they come, they come begging to you uh, for for help. Then they're ready to listen, and then they're they're really coachable. And that's when it becomes a lot of fun to to help and 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 have those uh, those relationships built with your players.
When talking about failure too, man, I mean, baseball's a very unique sport, right? When you start to look at percent of success and how you're viewed as being a good player. Um, and all sports are mental and, and have a huge mental component to it. But baseball, I mean, in my opinion, is probably one of the most mentally demanding sports out there. I mean, if you play in the big leagues and you're three for 10 for your career, you're borderline Hall of Famer. You know, and if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're three for 10 on Monday night football, I mean, everyone's going to keep talking about how you're not committed to the team, you know, and, um, and whatnot. So, you know, what are some of the things that maybe you can give to our listeners about how to stay mentally strong um, and stay mentally level, right? Because I think that's one of the, one of the hardest things for baseball players when you're, you know, when you're not going to cover off the ball, you know, for a week or two weeks to not relax and to keep doing what you're doing. Um, as opposed to like, if you're really struggling, not going in the tank, you know, things like that. Yeah, you, you hit it. I mean, baseball, you deal with adversity no matter what, uh, no matter how talented, how good you are. I remember Alex Rodriguez, who was, uh, he was the first pick overall by the Mariners, my senior yep. year in high school here. And he came to Appleton and played. And, the and Appleton uh, Foxes, right? Yeah, Appleton Foxes, yep. correct. Uh, and I remember seeing him a couple years later, he had a stint uh, in the big leagues and he had, he had like 60 at bats. Uh, I went and saw him. I was in uh, summer league uh, after my freshman year and I went to see them play uh, the White Sox and Jim Abbott was pitching, which is another story all itself about overcoming adversity. Right. But, uh, but he would, I, Alex Rodriguez had like 75 at bats and like 50 strikeouts in his first 75 at bats as a major league. Um, and we all know what Alex Rodriguez has done in his career. He's a hall of famer or he will be in, in, in tremendous success. Um, but I think, uh, you know, the Brewers have done a really good job as an organization uh, trying to explain process over results. Um, and I think that's huge when you're, when you're talking to young players because as young players, I mean, we're, we're result oriented. We want to, and myself included, when I was a young player, I was like, I got to go out and get my two, three hits. I don't care how I got it, get my two, three hits. Uh, and then life is good. But uh, when you're looking at the longevity of the game and the consistency of, of your game, um, there has to be a foundation. And so we have made it a point uh, in the Brewers organization to take away, especially at the lower levels, to not be as concerned in the results, batting average, ERA, those kind of things. Um, and we, we judge our, our players um, through a documentation called the process. We actually call it the process. And our hitters are judged on swing decisions, contact rate, and the damage that they create. Um, and they, the Brewers have put it into a, into a little, uh, uh, into a computer and it spits it back a number. And, uh, a lot of these decisions that the Brewers are making on minor league players as they move levels and even their, their free agent acquisitions are based on these process scores. Um, and over the years, these process scores have shown that they are consistent over time. So players that have better process scores are going to be more consistent over time. Where, as we all know, the results in the game of baseball, some years are good, some years are bad. Um, but I think uh, the Brewers have done a really nice job of trying to lay that foundation of it's a building block, it's a foundation, it not, and let's not deal so much with the results. 
um, from a personal standpoint, you know, failing is never failure and failure unless you quit. You know, I look at it as an opportunity to learn. You make adjust, you make adjustments, and then you're able to empower yourself to overcome that adversity. I mean, is the the message that we are constantly teaching, and it's easy to talk about um, when these players go through it. It's a little bit tougher to deal with, and then obviously you help them through that. Hey Matt, you know, kind of explain that minor league system and what advice you'd give players, you know, to increase their chance. You're talking about the process, so that's part of it right there. But, you know, how do you as a manager get all these, you talk about the college experience, you know, you get all these people from all over the nation. But, you know, in your system with the Brewers and the Timber Rattlers, is you're getting your athletes from other countries, you know, kids are coming and going, you know, they're getting moved, you know, how do you keep your culture with your team, you know, and what advice do you give for those athletes? Cause they're all trying to make the bigs. So it must make your job awfully tough is, you know, how do I have a culture to our team? You know, how do you keep, you know, the, the ship sailing, I, so to speak. Sure. Um, I guess the first part of the question, the, the minor league system, the way it's constructed, uh, Major League Baseball has taken over all operations of minor league baseball. So they've actually cut um, 40 short season teams. Um, so now, basically, after a kid is drafted in June, um, there's low, low level A ball, there's high level A ball, there's double A, triple A in the big leagues. Um, and, and most of the time, our, our kids or our players have to go through every, every level and, and, and have some success and prove that they're better than the league to get the opportunity at the next level. Obviously there's some injuries and, and that are involved there. And, and sometimes there's a need at higher level where guys get called up uh, periodically. Um, but as far as the culture is, is concerned, uh, the communication, I think from our front office to our rovers, to our managers, is very consistent. And I think that terminology uh, and those expectations have to be consistent if you're going to create a consistent culture. Um, and I think uh, the Brewers are in a good place right now with that. Um, being a part of the organization now for, for 13 seasons, uh, I have seen that. That's not something that's just being, uh, I guess, told to me. That's something that's proven to me. And then from a personal standpoint, when we get our players at the start of the year, obviously the the expectations and the, and the culture and, and the clubhouse is a really big deal for me. Um, and I think it's a big deal for most managers, but I spent a lot of time uh, talking about that. There'll be times when we take them off the field and we, we, we stop doing physical development um, and we'll have some discussions on the mental side of things or situational baseball, or um, just to make sure that um, people are on the same page. And if there's any questions, uh, they have an opportunity to speak their minds. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's really important when it comes to, to, to culture. Um, for, with, the, uh, with the question, getting to the big leagues, how do you help them get to the big leagues? Everybody wants to get to the big leagues. I mean, there's just no question. Um, so I try to take that out of it because, to be very honest with you, there's not many people that are going to get an opportunity to play in the big leagues. I mean, the percentages are there. Uh, however, we can – we can make this a great experience and try to get the most of their potential, whatever that might be. Um, and if we can get them to the next level, maybe they can figure out some stuff there to get them to the next level and so on. Um, and again, it goes back to the process, right? You're constantly 
growing yourself through the game and your mindset. Um, and I think that's a huge part of it. You know, self-awareness uh, is, a, is a big deal. And, and I think uh, you need to understand who you are as a baseball player, uh, identify and enhance your strengths, uh, use those strengths in game and feel good about those strengths and go to them when you need to them and then develop your weaknesses. Because if, uh, if you're not able to make adjustments over the course of time, this game is so heavily advanced scouted. Everybody knows what you're good at, what you're not good at as you move on. And if you're not able to make those adjustments, uh, it really doesn't matter how talented you are. The game is going to leave you behind. Um, and then, uh, you know, creating a routine, a, a, a good work ethic, a good routine at the low levels um, that's going to provide consistency for your for longevity of your career. Um, and that's really those are the things that we try to to get across um, right from the get go and then try to be consistent with as the season goes on. Matt, you've given our listeners incredible info. I mean, it's been fantastic. Um, obviously the top or the, the title of our podcast is get your edge. And typically we ask all our guests, uh, to give one, you know, one golden nugget to, to our listeners. So if, if there's a high school baseball player out there or high school baseball coach or, or college, whatnot, give them a, a get your edge, something to give them a competitive advantage from, from coach Erickson. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you, you are your competitive advantage. You as a person, as an athlete, um, you need to take take ownership of, of yes. yourself and your controllables. Uh, it's funny. I always ask, um, and it's kind of – I get made fun of about it all the time now by our other coaches, but I ask players all the time, how hungry are you? And, and they look at me all weird. You know? I said, no, how hungry are you? And uh, I think you control your effort, your attitude, and your toughness. Those are the three things, the three pillars that I pound on with our players as far as what they can control. There's a lot of parts of this industry and organization that they can't control. And they're going to be told over and over by the social media, by scouts, by different organizations, what they can't do. And it's their responsibility and their job to show people what they can do. Um, so going back to the three pillars, you know, your effort, effort knows no score. I think uh, I ask them all the time, do you compete in every situation, no matter what the score is, every opportunity that you get. Um, and then your attitude, you control your attitude. Uh, going back to the growth mindset, you have to continue to learn um, in this game because it's constantly evolving. Um, it's evolved so much in the last decade from when I started to where I am now, uh, as far as the information and the saber metrics of the game and the information and how it's being used. Uh, and then being a good teammate, you know, you're a part of a team, you're a part of an organization. Um, a lot of your, your success um, and your happiness is going to be with other people. Um, and, and there's no better, there's no better feeling than being a part of a championship team. Uh, it's great to get called up and go to level. It's unbelievable to get a major league call up and, and uh, experience, you know, your life dream, but there's no better feeling 
than playing on championship teams. And I don't care what level it is. Sharing that, that happiness with other people is what it's all about. And then your toughness is, is something that uh, <laughs> it's funny. My kids will tell you they don't come out of the game unless you see bone or blood. <laughs> but uh, you're, there's mental and physical toughness. And, and, uh, and basically the question there is, are you relentless in your pursuit of the end goal? Yes. No matter what, no matter what your setbacks are. Um, and if you are, um, then you, you accept those setbacks as challenges and, and move forward. Yeah, I tell you what, 91 would have been great to experience that state championship, but that, that Appleton West team, you know, they just, they figured out how to bunt to the right person. And we couldn't, <laughs> as you said, take care of the baseball and, and, you know, got to watch you guys jump around and, and whatnot, but Coach, you've been you've been fantastic, Coach Darboy over there. You got anything else for Coach Erickson? <laughs> Un unbelievable! I'm just gonna get the dagger out of my back here. But, um, it's been unbelievable, man. It's been awesome for the community, and it's uh, great knowing his a lot more of his story. And uh, you guys obviously got that connection with baseball and and Coach Lechner, and 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 now with the Timber Antlers, and let's. Let's be honest, this is great, exciting times for the Milwaukee Brewers right now with the playoffs coming up. For sure. Yeah, I know uh, a lot of people are excited. I, um, within the organization, obviously, they uh, uh, and, and chatting with council, uh, they've created a culture. We always talk about culture. There's some expectations now uh, in the Milwaukee Brewers organization. This is the fourth year in a row that they've been in the postseason, um, won the NL Central uh, this year. Uh, and so uh, those are good things to be a part of. And that's something that's built, been built over time. Uh, and a lot of people have been involved in it. And uh, I feel fortunate to be one of those people involved. I think it, it's such a great message. Um, and the misconception that's out there that all you need is great players to win championships. You know, in, in today's day and age, there's enough great players to go around to every organization, to every you know, NBA team to every NFL team, you know, I, I really believe at every level, if you have a big time culture, you know, you give your kids, a kids, men, women, whatever, a better chance to win. You know, there's no doubt about it. And it's, you know, some of these teams and you can look at the Bucks, you can look at the Brewers, you can build a, a culture, you know, of team and whatnot at the professional level. I think a lot of people have that misconception that, Oh, they're pros and they just want their money. No, I, there's a lot of guys that want to win championships out there. And I think putting, you know, the right guys in the right seat on the bus is, is really important. And, you know, Craig Council has done an amazing job, you know, obviously with the whole organization. So, you know, that's, that's great stuff. Yeah, I agree that it's, it's the connection. And that's one of the things that council has preached uh, uh, more and more every spring training that he's been around is, uh, how connected are you to the, to the people in the clubhouse, you know, and that, that goes for what you do on the field, what you do off the field. Um, there, obviously we got some bad information today. We're dealing with some adversity here with Devin Williams. Um, but, uh, he's been a big part of it and, uh, sounds like he, he made a decision, uh, that's, that's not good for the team or himself. And I'm sure he feels awful about it, yep. uh, but, but another learning opportunity for a young man. And, and hopefully that, helps him uh, be a better teammate, better player moving forward. Well, coach, it sounds like that dog needs to go. We're going to, we're going to cut her off here. Um, it's great having you on, man. It was great seeing you. 
Um, remember anybody in the Fox Valley, you know, if you're not, a, if you don't play baseball in the spring, you can always go for track and the Fox Valley throws is by far, you know, the best throwing organization out there. Check out coach Banshee. He'll get you going. Um, training aspects, sports advantage in the Dane County area. Um, we've actually got a couple kids in the Fox Valley now that are doing our satellite programs, which we offer. Um, so if you're interested in that, check it out. Um, Matt, great having you on. Good luck in the postseason. Uh, that's going to conclude this episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. We will see everybody later. Chop it. <laughs>